0: Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My friend Karen belongs to a church here in Cincinnati. And every year before Advent, the church pulls out of storage their large porcelain nativity set complete with the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, the manger, animals, a wise man or two, shepherds, angels. And they place this scene by the church's Christmas tree. And then, between the Holy Family and that scene and anyone looking on it, they put up a miniature white picket fence. And on that fence, they post a prominent sign reading, Fragile, Do Not Touch. Well, this is hard for the toddlers in the church to understand. Because these porcelain people and the baby Jesus are about their size. They see in that family their own people, and they want to get close. Karen's two-year-old daughter, my young friend Rosemary, is one of these toddlers who has knocked down that fence more than once so she can get close and hold the baby Jesus. This manger scene of these porcelain figures, neatly dressed in their colorful robes, all their faces looking serene and joyful, is quite a contrast to the reality of how Jesus actually entered the world, and to the world that Jesus entered. The gospel birth narratives and the post-narratives like today's story reveal there is nothing Serene or necessarily stationary about the Holy Family. When it was time for Jesus to, re- to be born, we recall that Mary and Joseph had just arrived in Bethlehem. They were away from their hometown, away from any support of relatives, having been forced to travel even though Mary was about to give birth because the Roman occupiers demanded some tax registration. So when it was time to give birth, there was no shelter available except a stable for animals. And now, Joseph, Mary, Jesus, in today's story, are on the run, not stationary. They have to had to flee for their lives. And we recall what led up to this. King Herod, the king of Judea, the puppet king of Rome, who we have learned is narcissistic and bloodthirsty all to save his own power just living in horrible fear that comes out as hatred and violence well some wise men from the east have just followed a star to his region having been told that there is has been a new king born a messiah and they show up at Herod's door wondering where this child is well Herod seems unaware But he's instantly threatened. He's the only king in that land. And he is sure to keep it that way. So he tells the wise men when they find the child to come and tell him. So Herod could go and worship him also. Well the wise men do find Jesus and then they are warned not to go back to Herod. For Herod means harm. So they depart by a different route. And when Herod realizes he's been tricked... He gets so bloodthirsty and orders the massacre of all children, boys, two years old and younger, to ensure that the death of this new king will happen and secure his power. This is the dangerous and violent world that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus had to navigate. While Jesus was still in the womb and upon his birth in the days and the years that followed, We lament all of this with the Reverend Jill Duffield, who's an author and a biblical commentator, who writes, would that the Holy Family story, now 2,000 years later, not resonate so loudly in our time. Matthew could write his tragic story today about our own nation, about nations the world over, of poor and persecuted and terrorized and terrified families with no choice but to take flight, running for their lives. Children falling victims of evil schemes of the powerful. In our world today, there are nearly 26 million refugees. 14 million people are at risk of starvation in countries like Yemen. Almost 38,000 people have died due to gun violence in the United States so far this year. And the US has held a record number of migrant children in detention, over 69,000. Yet we just concluded an Advent season when we spend a whole month together lighting a candle week by week to remember the promise of Christmas of the coming hope, peace, joy, and love of God that enters the world. These four things we celebrate in our Christmas pageants, our candlelight services on Christmas Eve, everyone joyful singing carols. Yet shortly after he was born, the one who came to save needed saving himself, for the world wanted to kill him. Where was the hope, the peace, the joy, the love triumphant with the coming of that Messiah child. And where is it today? Like the Jewish holy family, as we heard in the news, our Jewish brothers and sisters are still facing violence and persecution. Many in God's human family around the world still need saving from fear-driven power that leads to dehumanization to death. We still need saving from our own traumas, our own violence that we may have endured at the hands of others, maybe during wartime, at the hands of ourselves, inside our homes or outside our homes, the violence of addiction and other diseases. We need saving from the unforgiveness of the pain that we have endured from others, from words and actions that wound us or threaten to destroy our relationships. We need saving from debilitating despair, the loss of our own hope, peace, joy, and love. Considering that porcelain manger scene again with the peaceful, joyful characters, the white picket fence, That fence tells us that perhaps this holy family, this holy scene, is off limits to us. That we can only get so close. We only dare get so close. For those figures are way too fragile for our world's propensity for destroying the weak, the powerless. They are way too fragile for our own propensity to break things, like our relationships, and one another's hearts. Yet God's word to us in Scripture, recounting the lives of the prophets, of our faith ancestors, and of Jesus is permeated with God's message of hope and salvation for us and all the world. In Duffield's world words, nothing is off limits to this reign of power. The glory and redemption of our God. There's a young man named Spider who knows what it's like to have to take flight from violent hate. From East Los Angeles, Spider and his sister were abandoned by their parents when they were still young kids, and somehow they managed to raise themselves in their gang infested neighborhood. Though Spider did not avoid eventually becoming a gang member himself. He would spend much of his teens either fleeing from violence, toward violence, or wielding violence. And living and serving in that same region of East L.A. was Father Greg Boyle, the priest who 30 years ago founded Homeboy Industries, a gang intervention program located in the gang capital of the world. And what began as a way of improving lives of former gang members evolved into what is today the largest gang intervention and rehab and re-entry program in the world, welcoming thousands through their doors each year. Spider is one of those gang members. When he was just 18 years old, he found his way into the loving doors and loving embrace of Homeboy Industries, of Father Greg and all who staffed. He finally surrendered his gang life of danger, fear, and violence. He sought refuge. He sought to save his life. Seeking a new life, he was ready to change. Father Greg and Homeboy Industries helped Spider secure a job as an orderly at a hospital, moving patients and equipment around. And one night, Father Greg, or G, as the homeboys and homegirls affectionately call him, was driving by this hospital, and he saw Spider sitting on the bus bench outside, wearing his pastel blue scrubs. He had just gotten off work and was waiting to take the bus home a journey that involves several connections g offered him a lift and as they drove to his apartment where waiting for spider was his lady and his two small sons g and spider talked about many things but g was intentional about asking him about spider's bills his rent how he was faring was he okay And Spider simply said, I'm okay. And then he steered the conversation in a completely different direction. Spider, with great joy, said to G, you know what I'm going to do when I get home right now? I'm going to sit down to eat with my lady and my two sons. But, well, I don't eat. I just watch them eat. I just watch them eat. They eat, they eat, and I just look at them and thank God they are in my life. And when they're done eating and I know they're full, then I eat. And the truth, Spider goes on to say, is that sometimes there's food left and sometimes there isn't. And you know, he said, putting his hand on Father G's shoulder. It's a father thing. Spider's love and gratitude for his family, his new life, erase any sacrifice and hardship, leaving only pure delight in the joy of God in his heart and in his face, in his story. Spider, his lady, and their two small sons, another holy family, their life together, free of the gang, possible because Spider, like our toddler friend Rosemary, chose to knock down the fence that keeps the, the holy family, that first holy family, out of reach. He knocked down the fence of the lie that told him he was no good. The lie that told him gang life was all he could ever hope for. The lie that he was not worth having the desires of his heart. For love and a family and joy. And with that fence knocked down, he came face to face with Jesus, through whom God instilled in Spider the truth that his life and joy mattered, that he was worthy and completely beloved. Nothing and no one is off limits to the reign, the power, the glory, and the redemption of our God in Christ. It seems to me our two-year-old friend Rosemary has it right. Too little to understand the sign in front of her, fragile, do not touch. She goes ahead and knocks down that fence. She keeps trying to touch Joseph and Mary and especially the baby Jesus who seem protected and off-limits. But she demonstrates a deep truth that though she can't read, she understands that the Holy Family is not fragile. Their story, we just heard, is one of weakness that led to full surrender to God's plan and provision. They are not fragile. They are vulnerable in a way that allows strength and courage of God to come into their hearts and minds and guide them and assure them. They are not fragile. They are resilient. Time after time, as they step out in faith to whatever God would ask them to do and go wherever God would lead them, knowing that God will clear the path and will go with them every step. It seems to me that sign reading fragile is for us. It seems in the face of the nativity and the entire Christmas story, we are the fragile ones. To encounter the Holy Family up close is risky. To encounter Mary up close is to not be able to not hear and see her example. When the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, and told her that though she was yet unmarried, she would give birth to the Messiah, a baby. And we hear her words again today. Here I am, God. Let it be with me according to your word. And it's risky to knock down that fence because we will encounter Joseph and his living and ongoing example of his own yes to God every time an angel visited him in a dream and told him to get up and go. And he got up and went. And it's risky to encounter the baby Jesus when we knock down that fence because we encounter in him God's true nature of weakness that allows strength, of love that will allow our hearts to break, surely. Surely. For what God breaks God's heart. Of an eternal presence of the one who will grow up and say to his first disciples, Follow me. Abide with me. Cast all your cares upon me. And if you want to save your life and truly live, Jesus taught, then you have to give your life away. Die to yourself and trust me. Every day, love your enemies. Every day, welcome the stranger, give sanctuary to the refugee, feed and clothe the poor, and visit the prisoner, and work for justice for all people and all creation. For Jesus said, whenever you do these things, you do them to me and for me, and you do them with me. For I am Emmanuel. I am the God who came not to do for, but to do with and I will be with you to the very end of the age, Jesus promised. It may seem the world has not changed much from Jesus' day, but we need only to look around, to recall stories like spiders, or to recall our own own stories, when we or those we love or those we have seen in the world come to understand in a new way what the Christmas carol sings, Christ, abide with us, and Christ, be born in us today again, that we may bear the presence of Emmanuel, who will work in us and through us to carry out God's salvation plan for the whole world, bringing that hope, the promised peace, joy, and love. With every child we love by raising them, sustaining them, tutoring or mentoring, through every hungry person we feed, everyone we shelter, everyone who is sick or in prison or who is lonely and afraid. Every day we show loving kindness, we bring more each day into the world, the realm of God that first broke into the world with that first holy family and breaks into the world again every time we shove down that fence and with all of our fragility get up close to Jesus and the rest of that porcelain but not fragile, holy scene. We're encouraged through the words of the prophet Isaiah we heard today where God says to us, reminds us in all their distress, God says my very presence saves them. In my love and mercy I redeem them. I lift up my people and carry them. Then, today, and forever, I am making all things new. Thanks be to God.